Again, good morning. Um, you have your Bibles. Um, turn with me to Second Timothy chapter four. We'll look at the same verse this morning that we spent some time in last week. Verse thirteen of Second Timothy chapter four. Paul instructs Timothy. He says, "The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee." and the books, but especially the parchments. Today I'd like to look at the subject of, of carpus and the little things. And um, carpus and the little things. And I want to define what I mean by that as we start this morning because I want to make clear that you understand when I say the little things or the small things, I do not mean the, the non-important things, but I mean the things that go unnoticed you know, the things that are often done that, that don't bring a lot of attention, the routine things, the menial tasks, the labors that, that, um, that you don't see behind the scenes. And so those are the little things that I want to focus on this morning, as opposed to the big things. You know, the big things are the things that bring people glory, right? The things that bring people honor, the things that we celebrate, the things that are seen, the public acts uh, of service or whatever it may be, of, uh, rec you know, uh, awarding someone something. We think of that as the big things in life. Um, but I want to think about the little things today because for all the big things you see in life, um, maybe that people achieve or that um, people work towards, there were hundreds or thousands or millions of little things that took place to get to where they are. Um, I have a good friend and uh, last guess it was Friday before this last one. He, um, their team played. He coaches, and they played for the state championship here in Alabama. And, uh, we drove Tuscaloosa and watched the game, and they won. Um, and it was real fun. You know, we just had a great time. They won a state championship. And, uh, you know, some people say, well, that's not a big deal. That's because uh, uh, it's a high school championship. Well, how many of you played in a state championship game? <laughs> Nobody, <laughs> including me. I've won some championships on the PlayStation, <laughs> but that's about as far as I've gotten. Um, you know, that's a big deal. And so it was, it was fun to celebrate with them. I was excited. They were excited. Watch the team, you know, on the field as they took the pictures and held up the trophies. And you think that's, that's a big deal, right? That's a big thing that happened. But um, He's a very good friend of mine, so I love talking to him about what goes into every day to their practices and to their planning, and and we do spend a lot of time together on the phone, and and um, families are close, and you know I was thinking that that day as as uh, you know Fox Six was there, and um, they're taking pictures to put them online, and 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 you know there were. Uh, college coaches that you would know by name that were there. It was just a big deal. But nobody was thinking about the early morning practices at five in the morning that they'd been in throughout the whole year. Or, you know, every Sunday they have film study. Um, they have nutrition plans that they put them on. They have conditioning they have to go through, lifting weights. And that's just the players. Uh, you know, there was, I was thinking there, there were wives at home or there were wives that day that were celebrating that have, sacrificed so that their husband could spend more time with the team. There were, there were children celebrating with their dads who had sacrificed time with their dads so that that team could get to where they wanted to be. 
And then I was in the stands with the moms and dads that have sacrificed time from work to be there. You know, they had sacrificed money uh, to pay for them to be there. Most of some of these kids, you know, don't have a car, not old enough to drive. They're taking them to and from practice. Have any, if y'all, y'all, some of y'all, if you're in, we're kind of, we're getting into that stage where we're, we've gone from mom and dad to the Uber service. <laughs> you know, we're carting people here and there and it takes a lot of time takes a lot of money and nobody was thinking about that and, and maybe they shouldn't but a lot of times we see these big achievements and we don't think about all the little things that go into making those things work or happen um, it's the same with a church or with your family um, you know if I am at home um, if I lounge around all week and I don't spend any time in the word of God then Probably the Lord's not going to bless me to preach to you a sermon that makes any sense, a message from his word. Um, if you're not praying for me, uh, maybe the Lord doesn't bless that. If we're not um, doing the little things of keeping up with one another, then you're not going to have a, a healthy church. You know, I was um, speaking to someone a week ago and they asked me, it was another pastor, and he asked me how Vestavia was doing and and. My answer was, as far as I know, we're doing okay. <laughs> I mean, we're being blessed. I said, I think we've had, um, it was four or five baptisms at the time. And, you know, to, the, to a 50,000 person church, that may not seem like a lot, but to us, that's good, you know. And uh, he said, well, it sounds like you're being blessed. You're being blessed more than other churches um, uh, of our, in our denomination. And, and may we have this year, but. A lot of that's on um, on you all. I heard Nick Saban recently say that he found out a long time ago he's better at coaching good players than he is bad players. <laughs> he's a much better coach when he has good players. Well, it's not me. I've got good people <laughs> uh, that, that make up this church. Um, it's the little things that it takes to make a church go. So I want to look at Carpus and the little things this morning. You know, we looked at, at, at Demas a few weeks ago and we, we kind of made the joke that it would be, you might need that in Bible trivia one day. Who was Demas? Well, we knew a lot about Demas. There's three things that were, I mean, we didn't know a whole lot, but we knew that he was with Paul and, and um, when he wrote the letter to the Colossians, we said he was a fellow laborer with uh, Luke, with Marcus uh, from, I believe that's in the book of Philemon. It's, uh, you know, there were several places. And then here in 2 Timothy, he's mentioned, it says that he's forsaken uh, Paul because of his love for the present world. Well, when we get down to verse 13 and we come to Carpus, um, there is, this is the only place in the Bible where this person is mentioned. <laughs> He's not mentioned anywhere else in the Scriptures. Um, there's, a, there's a website that I like. It's called gotquestions.org, and, and, it's, and it's all kinds of Bible questions, Christian questions. And, and, and a few weeks ago when I wrote this stat down, they had answered 748,125 Bible questions. Uh, last week, I mentioned William Tyndale. I had read some about him through their website. So you, it's not just Bible questions. You could Google who was, uh, you could search, you know, on their website, who was Billy Graham. And you're going to get a, a lesson about Christian, who was Billy Graham. They'll give you some information on him, some information on William Tyndale. Who was Demas? They'll give you information on Demas. Uh, you know, who was Paul? What happened in this book? I mean, there's three quarters of a million questions have been answered on this. There's a lot out there. Well, I searched Carpus. And it came back with a blank screen that said, no results found. 
750,000 questions he's not mentioned once. Now, y'all feel bad for Carpus? <laughs> he made it in the Bible, but um, he didn't make it much further, did he? <laughs> um, not much is known about Carpus. We don't know if he's a preacher. Was he an evangelist? Was he just... Who was he? We, don't, we really don't know. Um, I believe his name means fruit, and I think we can see that he bore fruit in the service of God because no matter who Carpus was or what Carpus did, he was used by the Lord to serve the Lord, to further the cause, and to help Paul in, in what we would consider a little thing. Look at that. He, he, was, he was serving the Lord by keeping Paul's possessions until he needed them again. Would y'all think that's not a big thing, is it? Um, you would say, that's just a little thing. Well, to Paul it wasn't because he makes sure to tell Timothy that when you come, I want you to go by Troas, find Carpus, and he's got my cloak that I'm going to need to stay warm, and he's got my books and my parchments that I'm going to need to activate my mind and my spirit. And we can see a lot about serving the Lord and the little th the things that go unnoticed because I, I think it would indicate to us that if Paul's having to tell Timothy that Carpus has them, Carpus was it wasn't well known that Carpus had Paul's things, right? Now, if I had the Apostle Paul's cloak at my house, you'd all know about it. <laughs> I would say, y'all got to come over here and touch it. <laughs> look at it. It's on display. $5. You can come through and look at it. <laughs> but Paul had to tell Timothy that Carpus even had it. We can see, learn a little bit that he, he must have been a humble man. He wasn't going around bragging about, I've got his books. Y'all come over here and look at his notes. What if you had the sermon notes of, of we mentioned Billy Graham earlier, or, or uh, John Gill, or some fame, or the Apostle Paul? <laughs> I'd be showing everybody. Well, Carpus had them. And, and, and one of Paul's best friends or, or, or apprentices in the ministry, he has to tell him, my stuff is with Carpus in Troas. So we see that serving God in the little things is not about show. It's about being faithful. In Luke 16, I, I, maybe verse 10, but you, it, it's somewhere around there. Jesus himself says, talks about him that is faithful in, in little. To then be faithful in much. That's, a, that's a, a statement that is so true, isn't it? That before people can take on great responsibility, they have to be faithful in a little responsibility, right? A lot of times you have people that will come and they'll say, make me the boss or give me a raise or put me in this position and then I'll show up to work on time and I'll do a real good job. <laughs> that's not how it works, is it? You start at the bottom and you work hard and you show up on time and you're faithful in the little things and 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 even in the natural world if you do that ultimately you'll be promoted you'll be exalted right if you humble yourself so i'm going to talk about serving god in the little things again when i say little things i don't mean unimportant there's a sermon by brother sonny piles where he talks about big meetings and little meetings you ever been to a big meeting <laughs> and he says a big meeting is where there's a bunch of preachers and the food's good and the coffee's hot <laughs> And he said, you leave and you don't know anything that was preached. You just remember the food was good and the coffee was hot and it was a big meeting. 
And people say that. And he said, you know, a little meeting, there may be two, three, four, five, ten people there. And it's a very convicting sermon because he says, I'll never use the terms big meeting and little meeting again because if there's three there and the Lord's there, that's a big meeting. We talk about little things. You may say, what's well, a big thing? We travel across the world to meet the needs, some unmet need of a, of a people group. And you say, well, that's a big thing. But really, if you walk across the street to meet the need of your neighbor, if the Lord's in it, that's a big thing, isn't it? You say, well, Carpus was just holding on to some books. But uh, these were books that Paul was going to use to further the gospel. That's a big thing, isn't it? It's a big thing. And, and it's very sobering, I think, to me and probably to all you to know this, that God is, is more than likely in, in most circumstances and, and the majority of the time, he is not calling you or me to be Paul or Peter or John the Baptist or we mentioned Billy Graham, have some worldwide ministry or to go across the, the world to fulfill some great need. Most of the time, he's calling us to be carpus, which means most of the time we're living our lives to be someone who will be forgotten. Is that sobering to you? Um, someone who generations from now, they won't remember your name. But do you know today we are benefiting from a heritage of people that 100, 200, 300, 1,000 years ago, we, we don't remember their names. But we're benefiting from them being faithful in the little things. They're just carpus. They're just keeping the church going. They're turning the lights on. They're, um, they're showing up. Remember, faithfulness is what God wants in the little things and the big things, right? But they're faithful. And, um, you know, we have giants of the faith. I mentioned Brother Sonny. I've got on my book uh, at home, just as Primitive Baptist, C.H. Casey, um, Sylvester Hassel, James Oliphant. These are big giants within our faith. You think of John Gill. I, I quote him a lot. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. These are, these are big names that people know. Um, but the church has been passed down from generation to generation to generation, not by those few men, but by people you don't know who they are anymore. That should humble us in some ways, right? But it should also inspire us in some ways that God is doing big things through us. Do you think it's a big thing that the church goes on in Birmingham, Alabama for the next hundred years? Well, a lot of that's going to be determined by how we do the little things. Uh, how we do the little things. In verse 11, Paul says to Timothy, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with you, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He says Mark is going to be useful to me in the ministry. That, that word profitable just means useful in tasks. And that word ministry means service to others. And, and the word that's translated ministry there is, is it really means just uh, everyday unseen tasks. Paul's saying, I need Mark to come with me because there's things that need to be handled. And he's, he's useful. He's, he's available and he's going to be profitable for me to get those things done. One, one Bible uh, commentator said, the basic idea of both words translated profitable and ministry always had to do with humble, submissive, personal service, not simply with an office or a particular function. Just humble service, things that nobody sees, things that, things that nobody has parades for you about. 
Um, let's go to Acts chapter 6. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, this is shortly after the ascension of Christ. Not a lot of time has passed. The church is in its infant stage. And it says, And in those days, when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring. There's some complainings here of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows, the Grecian widows, were neglected in the daily ministration. There's that word ministration or ministry, this service, this daily service that was taking place in the church as they were taking care of the widows. See, this is in a different context than we live even today where people um, you know, are supported financially and, and through food, um, even if they don't have the means to do it through, through government agencies that we have today. But here at this time, there was none of that. So the church was having to literally take care of the daily needs of the widows who couldn't take care of themselves. And, and the Grecian widows were being neglected and that brought up a, a you know, a, a, a schism in the early church, a division where they're, they're fighting about this. And so there's that word ministration or ministry, this ministry that was taking place. And then the second verse, it says, then the 12 or the early apostles, the leaders of the church called the multitude of disciples unto them, both the Greeks and the, the Hebrews. And they said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So we, we, we know what the, the daily ministry that was taking place, what it was, it's defined for us in the second verse. It was serving tables, ministering the food to and in the, in the needs to the widows. And, and the, the apostles say it's not reasonable. And they're not, they're not saying I'm above serving tables. They're saying in the, in the way that God has set up uh, his church, we are to devote ourselves to the propagation of the gospel, to prayer, to the word of God. So it doesn't make sense that we would leave that to, to meet the daily needs of the church. Uh, he, he says, and they're not saying they're above that. They're above this little thing or this, 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 uh, this daily task that had to be taken care of. They're saying uh, it's, it's just it doesn't make sense that we would leave the word of God to do that. So their answer is, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. They're saying it makes sense that we would find someone else to do this so that the church will continue to function properly. Okay. So, so, so this, this little small thing in verse two of, of serving the tables, you can see that if it was neglected, if number one, if the, if the early ministry had to do it, if those 12 had to go out and do it, then the word of God would be, be neglected. And if they neglected to do it, then the church would fall apart from division. And so what we what we learn, I think, from this lesson is that 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 the small, the, the small, the little, the unseen things, the small things become big things when they're undone things. Does that make sense? The small things become big when they're undone. You know, you can you could level a house with a bulldozer, right? You can just come in and wipe it out. But another way to destroy a house is to build it and then leave it alone for years. Don't take up the weeds. Don't fix the flooring. Don't take care of it. And what will happen after a few years, you got to tear it down, right? So we could, we could destroy the church with some big fuss or fight. <laughs> I hope we don't do that. We could destroy it in a day. Or we could destroy the church for the next generation by just neglecting to do the little things that God's called us to do. Does that make sense this morning? 
So I hope we can look at the importance of the little things. And we see that in Acts 6 because the office of the deacon is going to be established here in Acts chapter 6. And the word translated ministry in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11 is closely linked to the Greek word that is translated deacon, which means a, a helper, an assistant, one who, one who is of service. That's what a deacon is. And so, you know, a deacon is someone who serves uh, behind the scenes of the church. They're not, you know, like I am an elder in the church. Maybe we'll talk about church structure in a moment if we get a chance. But every Sunday, you... Y'all are so blessed. Every Sunday you see my face. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're blessed or not, but um, that is the, the public thing, the big thing, right? People come to the church, they know the pastor, and they may not know who all the deacons are or what the deacons do, but if if the deacons are not doing their job, then pretty soon the church isn't running efficiently and it breaks down like we see in Acts chapter 6, right? Um, and so I think we see the importance of it because he says, wherefore, brethren, verse 3, because there is this division in the church, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, who may, may appoint over this business the business of the church is going to be handled by these men and they say but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word which is you know the kind of the, the big thing of the church the propagation of the gospel and and as we see this this office of deacon instituted here in the early church just just the need to institute that office should show us, number one, the importance of that office and that role and the importance of having people fulfill the little things of the church. And look, you can take this into your own life. We're talking about the church today because we are the church. But the same thing is true with at home. If you neglect the little things in your marriage with your children, whatever it may be, um, you, you neglect those things, uh, it's going to fall apart, whether it be the church or your home, your family. And so they say, we want to uh, find men who are, and listen to the importance of this role. Because an, another way that you find the importance of the little things or, the, or the, the role of the deacon or the servants of the church who would handle the business of the church, he doesn't, they didn't say, just go find seven people that can take care of it. There may have been people that were capable of serving the tables, but they didn't say that. They said, go find seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And then we see in verse 5 that they chose, there were seven, and they were, they were uh, speaking of, of, of Stephen, it says a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. These were people who were, who were spiritual men. They weren't just capable of serving, uh, serving the needs. You might find anybody that could serve a meal, but these were men of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. They were spiritual people, right? You go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and you see the requirements for a deacon in the church, and they're, they're, they're not much different than an elder. And, and so that shows you the importance of the little things because the, the unseen things need to be taken care of by men you can count on because the little things are important in your life. 
And, and look, look what happens. It says they, they, they call them out. In the, they choose them in the fifth verse. In the sixth verse, it says they, they set them before the apostles. And when the apostles had prayed, they laid their hands on them. They ordained these men to go out and do the work of taking care of the business of the church, the things that would not be seen. And in verse 7, it says, after they did this, remember, we start this verse with a church that is on the verge of, you could say even splitting. We start this by people who are arguing in the church about who's being taken care of and what's going on. And we, we, we end this section in verse 7 when it says, when they had ordained these men to take care of the business, it says, the word of God increased. <laughs> And the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And you say, that is the big thing. And yes, that is the public uh, display of the church, right? That is the, that is the role of the church and that is the duty of the church and that is the, the, the mission of the church is that the Word of God would increase. But you do not have verse 7 without verses 5 and 6. Do you see that? You don't have it without somebody taking care of the little things. You don't have the big things. Um, so I just, I said we talk about church structure. Let's talk about that for just a minute. We'll take a little off ramp for just a moment. Um, you know, the church is, uh, the structure of the church is, is really very simple. We have Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. Y'all understand that today? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. This is a true story. Someone once asked me, the, we were talking about the certain um, denomination that he was uh, affiliated with and me. And, 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 you know, I said, I'm a primitive Baptist. And you know that a lot of people have not even heard of primitive Baptist. I pray that's not the case uh, uh, forever. <laughs> uh, but, um, uh, we're not as widely known as we, we may have been in, in past. You know, it's amazing. You read Baptist history books. Go to the library, check out a, check out a, a any, any, any of them. Alabama history, find you a Baptist history book on the state of Alabama. And it's not going to take long until you hear about primitive Baptist. <laughs> we're all throughout. Uh, we're just not as, as Brother Luke told me in my ordination, you know, Brother Luke came from a, um, another denomination and, and now he preaches for us and he said brother josh the one thing i found is being a primitive baptist is not cool <laughs> um but that's okay isn't it but anyways he says um do y'all have a, a headquarters and um i said we do <laughs> and he he was kind of shocked to know that and he said where is it and i said it's in heaven <laughs> because the head of our church is seated at the right hand of god and um but the great shepherd has left under shepherds to take care of his church. That's the elders of the church, the bishops of the church. And, um, you know, it's their job to feed the flock of God. It's their job to be a leader in the, in the, in the church. You know, that's something that I've had to come to grips with as an elder, especially as a pastor, that a shepherd is not only to feed the flock, the shepherd leads the flock too, right? The shepherd takes care of the flock. If they're hurting, the shepherd feeds the flock when they're hungry, but he also leads the flock the way they should go. It's a, it's a position of leadership. So where's the church going to be? You know, thank God we don't have to, I don't have to come up with a mission statement on my own. We've got the word of God to guide us in what we're supposed to do, right? But, but I'm, I'm to take the word of God and, and, and implement, 
implement, uh, I hate to use the word vision because that could be misconstrued, but uh, a vision or a pathway for where the church is going to go. What kind of church do you want to have? What kind of church do we want to be? And, and a lot of times they'll say that, you know, the pew never reaches further than the pulpit because you're leading the people where they want to go. So the church, the elder is the, the preacher, the teacher, the leader of the flock. And then you have the deacons. The next, the only other real office in the, in the church today is the role of deacons who serve the church. And what an important job because we've already seen that if that goes undone, then it either goes undone or somebody else has to do it. And listen, if you get those three levels misconstrued, it's very interesting that when uh, when Paul is addressing uh, the elders in the book of Acts, when Peter is addressing elders specifically in his first epistle, I think it's the fifth chapter, they both go out of their way to say, you are over the church of God, which Christ has purchased with his own blood, which is God's heritage, you know? Uh, what, what they're saying, what, what Paul and Peter are saying to the elders is, it's not, remember, it's not your church. It's God's church. You've been given, uh, you're an under shepherd of that church. See, if the, if the elder decides, well, this is my church, we're going to do it my way, then you've got a recipe for trouble, right? If you got a, um, if you have deacons that say, no, I'm going to, I'm going to usurp the, the role of the elder and I'm going to be the one that, you know, that, I'm going to be the, 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 the main source of leadership. I'm not saying they don't lead. You can lead, not be an elder. I want you to be a leader, right? Um, the same goes for, I'm going to have, a, say, say you have an elder that says, I'm going, to, I'm going to have everything in that church under my thumb. I'm going to know everything about everything. And so the worst thing for a preacher to do is try to be a deacon, right? Because that's not his role. Somebody asked me recently, they said, what's the gas bill like at Vestavia Church? I said, I have no idea. And I don't want to know. <laughs> they said, well, what's on gas? You know, what apply? I said, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. And I don't want to know. Because um, what's that meme that says, ain't nobody got time for that? <laughs> uh, if the order gets me, and, and listen, I'm going to give you a, a public service announcement. To the, I will say this to the young men. You decide if you're young. This is specifically to them. Kel smiled. You meet it, Kel. Um, <laughs> Bo, you do too. Uh, <laughs> I won't name everybody. Uh, I, let me name the ones that don't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, I'm smarter than that. Um, you can fulfill the role of a deacon without being an ordained deacon. Did y'all know that? Um, listen, when you think about what do I want to achieve in life, if your goal was I want to serve, I want to be a deacon. You know, you sometimes you... See, it's a little... The roles are a little different, right? The, the, the elder is a God-called role. We hope that the man that is, that is preaching and teaching and leading as the under-shepherd of the church has a, has a call from God above to do that. Right. And, and it makes me nervous. It would make me nervous if somebody came to me and said, I'm, I'm here today and, and the Lord has called me to preach. Like if the Lord's called you to preach, we can talk about that. But say, you know, I want to get up there next Sunday and do it like I like very eager to do it. Because <laughs> most of the God called ministers I know, including myself, if I'm called, didn't want to do it. <laughs> like Jonah ran from his calling. Right. <laughs> um. 
And, and that's, that's probably a good sign. Not that you won't fulfill it or you won't do it, because if you're really called of God to preach, even though you may not want to do it, listen, I, I graduated college, so obviously I graduated high school, and I never once took a public speaking class, ever, ever, because I don't like being in front of people. I don't like, to, I was playing a dirty Santa game last year in front of a bunch of people I didn't know. You know, it was like a function I had to go to. And y'all ever played that game? Somebody steals something from you, then you got to go back. And I, they kept stealing my gift. And I'd have to go back out in front of all these people and get another one. And my watch went off. My Apple watch said, I think it thought I was, I was having a heart attack. <laughs> it was like, we've noticed that your heartbeat is really rapid. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I don't like standing in front of people. I don't. Well, if you're called of God to preach the Word, eventually it'll be like a fire in your bones that you've got to let it out somewhere. I preached a lot of sermons to the steering wheel before I ever preached one to you all. <laughs> um, because you got to get it out. So the deacon may not be called of God to serve the church in that way, but, but, but I can think of nothing better to tell my son, see, I can't call him to preach the gospel. I don't know that I want him to. That's up to God. But I could say, son, here are the qualifications for a deacon. And if you, if you live your life in such a way that you can serve the church the way they're called to serve the church, that's something to aspire to, right? That's, 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 real, that's really something to aspire to, to be a pillar in the church. And... Um, You know, as a as a as a preacher, they they make you. We call it exercise, right? You start um, you start exercising your gift. If they maybe somebody notices you have a gift or to preach, and I know for me that was um, I, a lot of y'all suffered through my exercising here at uh, Vestavia, and um, where the Tracy Chambers was in charge of putting the sermons online back then, and I would always say, Brother Tracy, don't put that one on online. Um, and then he, I'd get home and he'd have it online. And, <laughs> and something happened about four or five years ago and our website crashed. And as far as I know, all those sermons are just off in the abyss somewhere. You can't find them. And I rejoiced um, <laughs> with joy unspeakable that nobody would ever hear those again. You know, we have to exercise our gift. Then the church will acknowledge this person has a gift to preach, to teach. They observe their manner of life, and then the church will call for their ordination. Um, and I was thinking recently, that might be a good thing to do with deacons. Like, you don't have to wait to be ordained to serve the church. Go ask the deacons today. What can I do to help? What can I do to help you? How can, you don't, maybe not even ask. There's some things you know have to be done. Just do them, right? Would any of the deacons here disagree with me that you wouldn't take a little extra help? <laughs> None. Y'all see nobody's raising their hands. Um, just help. Um, you know, I think the Lord gave, I'm going to embarrass Bo. I think the Lord gave me this today. I wanted to cry. He could see I was struggling through the song service. <laughs> This would be a good another public service announcement. We're having a singing school in June. 
And I want you all to be there and learn how to lead songs and sing songs so that I can sit there and relax for 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> um, and y'all may have seen me go over there. Bo whispered to me. He said, if there's no song leaders, do you need me to get up there? Hey, that, I just thought that went with the sermon. I love it, buddy. And yes, you can take my place anytime I am leading a song. You know, I asked Brother Joshua Meeks last week, do you want to preach for me? And he said, I would. But he looked at the pulpit and he said, I'm not tall enough. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see him. You know, it would, it's, it would be nice that when the church goes, and I'm not saying we don't have people that we couldn't ordain today as a deacon, but I'm saying what a great benefit it would be to the church where you wouldn't have to sit down and say, well, maybe this one might make it. They might grow into it. Say, no, that one's already doing it. Wouldn't that be wonderful for a church? I heard Brother Glenn Blanchard one time. Some of y'all are familiar with him, pastor of the church in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> he said, every year we have a pastor call. <laughs> you know, we call the pastor again. That's your opportunity to get rid of me, right? He said, I'm thinking of instituting a deacon call. <laughs> he said, some of y'all not doing your job. I'm going to vote you out. <laughs> we don't have that here. Uh, but you know, if there was that deacon call, wouldn't it be nice to know we've got some that are just ready to... They're already doing it. That's what we do with the ministry, right? They're already doing it. We're just... When we ordain somebody to the ministry, to the office of deacon, we are not in any ways laying our hands on them to say they are going to start being an elder or a deacon. We should be laying our hands on them acknowledging they're already doing what we've ordained them to continue to do. Um, so that's my public service announcement for the young men today. I said we'll take an off-ramp. We'll get back on the interstate real quick. Um, get home. For the church to function properly, correctly, in a healthy manner, we all need to have this, this carpus attitude. This humble attitude. You know, he was willing, he was willing to hold on to Paul's things while Paul went out to preach, and while I mean, now Paul's in prison, and I'm sure Carpus didn't want to be in prison, but I'm saying, even when all the others were forsaking Paul, yet, and I don't know if Paul had corresponded with Carpus, but yet he had enough faith in Carpus that he would say, Timothy, if you go by there now, if you go by Troas, he still has what I entrusted unto him. Y'all see that? When others had forsaken him. And he wasn't doing it for fame. He was protecting his goods. He was giving up space in his home for Paul's things. I don't know if you've met a lot of preachers, but I've never met any that doesn't have a lot of books. <laughs> I don't know what Paul had. <laughs> you go to my house, I've got a lot of books. We, back in 2020 during, um, uh, during COVID, you know, we had an online meeting. And, and I was in this group of, of all the preachers that were in there and they were going through, and, and I didn't preach, but um, I think every one of them preached in front of their bookshelf. <laughs> you know, we were all at home, and I think they were trying to impress people by how many books they had. You know, it adds a little credibility. <laughs> but I sent in the group, I said, um, guys, we, we don't have, it's not uh, mandatory in the, in, the, in the Bible that we preach online in front of our bookshelf. <laughs> uh, but I guess that was the best thing they had to do, um, to be in the background. Um, 
So I don't know how much room in his home he had to give up, but he was willing to do it to further the cause. And, and he wasn't going to be, you know, Paul commissioned uh, Tychus in verse 12 to go to Ephesus, probably to take care of the things in Ephesus that Timothy was going to leave behind when he came to Rome to meet with Paul. And there's no indication that he says, hey, when you get the stuff from Carpus, here's the next thing I need him to do. There may be nothing else that Carpus was going to do uh, that could lead to big things in the ministry, but yet Carpus was fine with that. Uh, you know, Carpus wasn't mentioned like Mark to bring Mark with you, Timothy, when you come to me. It was just go by, find Carpus, get my stuff and come back. And so it, his name was not going to be in lights. You go to the Christian bookstore today, you'll find books on Moses and David and Paul and Peter. You cannot find one on Carpus. And he was OK with that. Do you see that? He was OK with that. He. See, the attitude, the carpus attitude would be whatever needs to be done, I'll do it, no matter who gets the honor, the glory, or the praise, right? Because whether it's a deacon, a member, or a preacher, if they're doing their job right, none of them are doing it for praise. John the Baptist said in John 3:30, I must decrease. The speaking of Christ, he must increase. Whatever we're doing in the church, it's it's that others would see. Jesus, not us, right? So I want to define for you just a moment what I think a carpus mindset would be. I know I've talked a little bit this week, but several years ago, or this, this morning, a um, few stories, but several years ago, I was talking with a man uh, and um, we we're having a great conversation. And he was telling me, he went to this large church and they had a lot of committees. How many of y'all, if we have to form a committee, we don't do that a lot, but how many of y'all kind of sink down in the pew hoping he won't choose me? <laughs> um, but they had a lot of committees and he was telling me about all the committees he had served on and he was working his way up through the committee system. <laughs> uh, sounds like torture to me, but um, I think it was the committee of, of on deacons and he had been appointed to and he said, he said, now, if I serve, if I do a good job here, I think I'll be appointed to the committee on committees. And he said, that's the committee you want to be on. Because <laughs> that's the committee that appoints everybody else to the other committees. That was, it was a place of power, you know, <laughs> within the committee system. Who was it that said a camel was just a horse that was created by a committee? <laughs> You know, sometimes committees don't do their job. Um, that's not the carpus mindset, right? The carpus mindset is I'll serve on the committee if you if you need somebody to serve. But don't worry about putting my name on the minutes. Don't worry about me getting the honor. I don't care if I never make it to the big committee. Here it is. Listen to um, Psalm 84 and verse 10. Psalmist says, for a day in thy courts, speaking of the Lord, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I won't, I won't preach on that, but I'll tell you, if you've ever experienced one blessed day with the Lord and His church where the gospel is preached and the Spirit is there, it doesn't matter what else is, is going on around you, you wouldn't trade that one day for a thousand somewhere else. It's just wonderful. He says, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. 
I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The psalmist there says, I had rather be at the threshold of the door where it's not a position of honor or praise, where I'm kind of even on the outside looking in, than to dwell and have my name in lights in the tents of wickedness. He says, just to, just to hold the door for you is what I'd rather have than what the world has to offer. He says, I want to be a carpus. I'll just serve in the little things so that the church of God can go on and we can experience more of those days that are better than a thousand. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the blessings of this life. Help us all, Lord, to be more like John the Baptist saying, I must decrease and he must increase. May I decrease in my marriage, in my social circles, and, and that I don't go in wanting the preeminence, but that people may see you through me. Help us all to do that, Lord. Open up doors of opportunity for us. Send us people to this church who will love it, who will love the gospel of the finished work of Jesus Christ, unmerited grace, a successful Savior that will love that message and will come and be a part of us and be, be, be zealous for the cause and ready to do the things that go unseen so that the church can go forward and the Word of God will go forth. God bless us all in this um, week to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to, um, we'll sing a hymn at this time and give an opportunity. If there's anyone here that would like to unite with this church, you can come forward and um, as we sing the first verse of Amazing Grace, number 154. Um, <clears throat>